Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is at C. Talene, and we are down a lady tonight. At Southern Cynic is at home not feeling her best, but we are joined by the lovely Akira. Say hello. Hi, guys. Yeah, so we are back. I was, we were just um, chatting and saying, man, it seems like we were just here. <laughs> but we are yeah. back at the recording, so... This is this is nice for um, our folks who are listening. They're almost getting like a two for one this week. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, because we, um, yeah, usually everybody knows that we record on Tuesday, but yeah, last week we had Fourth of July falling on that day, so we're like, yeah, let's um, just go ahead and see if another day works out for us to record. And so yeah, we all worked it out, um, got everybody to enjoy the holiday, um, however way you choose to celebrate it. Um, so yeah, and definitely feels like a two for one, <laughs> but I know Tuesday <laughs> definitely feels like it snuck up on me. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh, I need to, I need to watch the next episode because we're recording. <laughs> we're going to be recording in like a day. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I didn't even have time to watch it until right before, watch it again until right before we were about to record. So I'm like, all right. Let's just get home. Nobody bother me again, which pretty much feels like I was back at all times. When the show is on the air, I'm like, okay, I go in my room and I'm like, nobody bother me. Don't call me. Don't do nothing. Just, yeah, just leave me alone for the hour. You're absolutely right. That's like the worst when you're, I would, when it was on in the summer and I'm so still so salty that it's not on this summer. Um, I would always be at my in-laws. We spend like a month staying with my in-laws in Minneapolis, and it's not my house. So it's basically you're a guest in someone's home, and they only have like one TV in their house. Well, they have one in their bedroom, and you know I'm not going in their bedroom. And then they have one (laughs) TV in the basement. So I would like have to coordinate that I would be able to watch Mr. Robot, and then if they, they would want to come in and ask me questions or try and talk to me, and I'm trying to, like, live tweet and pay attention to the show and also try to be polite, it was, like, the worst. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be different watching it in October in my own home where I can actually shut people out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. De- yeah, because definitely everybody knows, like, okay, yeah, Mr. it's Mr. Robot time. Just don't bother her. I mean, she if she comes out and talks to you during commercial breaks, okay. But yeah, but usually for me, commercial breaks are uh, most likely to um, look up um, any music that I'm shazamming during the show. <laughs> what was that? So I'm like, all right, let me make sure I got the songs and everything, and then also um, catching up with the live tweet that was going on while uh, while whatever segment was on. So. 
Yeah, it's on. It's always nonstop. But um, yeah, we'll be. I'm looking forward to getting right back in the swing of all of it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So um, we are on a new episode, and this is episode four in it one. Um, and I, you know, I have to confess to you, I was watching it yesterday, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like it felt brand new to me. So either I must have missed this episode when I was on vacation last summer or there's no way I fell asleep like I can't imagine like I fell asleep during the episode but for it felt like there were parts of the episode I had seen before but there Mm -hmm. were other parts that I was like I've never seen this scene before so I don't know what happened to me last summer maybe I was (laughs) drinking that night (laughs) but it felt brand new to me Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think I I can definitely assure you right there because I mean in watching the episode again uh, because me I've you know with this show it's such I mean mind blown over and over again that you that I'm like all right let me take a break after watching it during the season and then come back and watch it again and I mean, I'm, I mean, always finding some finding something new about it, or you know, mm-hmm. even though it's like I know I saw this before, but yeah, it's still just coming coming away at, coming away from a scene with something new, or just like oh, like or just re or just reminding yourself about certain specifics, like okay, I might mm-hmm. like all right, I just wanted to make sure I got that part right. Okay, yeah, got that. All right, now let's go back and dissect this again. Um, so yeah, so I'm just, yeah, I think that I'm going through that as well. Like everything is like trying to watch, feel like I'm watching it through another fresh set of eyes, if if that's even possible, but you know, they should do like a, a call. I'm sure there must be like a a Mr. Robot college course. There has to Um, be. I would not be surprised if there is one. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've, I remember looking through and going through Twitter and seeing some people talk about how they're um, using the show for um, how they're writing, using the show with um, college assignments that they have. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm guilty of that as well. I had one point where um, I think it was the, one of the final few papers that I had to write for grad school, and um, a lot of it was referencing um, mostly the Sony hack um, for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, which, funny enough, um, everyone associated with the show says that pretty much right around the time that the show got picked up, the Sony hack happened. Um, so, yeah, and I remember that day. That was an, a very interesting day. Um, yeah, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a very interesting day. I'll just say that. Um, but, yeah, Um so yeah, um, I would not be surprised if any if you know anyone takes if anyone decides to take it up a notch from just writing a paper, um, using the show as some form of research to just flat out mm-hmm. say, all right, let's just go ahead and discuss this. Um, whether it's you know computer, uh, com- what is it, computer science or um, yeah, even some even now with Dom and the FBI, you know, legal some legal courses and whatnot. And even, um, and even, even psychology, the psycholo- yeah. yeah, as I say, the psychological aspects of the, of the show are so deep. I mean, just doing a character study, just taking one character in Mr. Robot and doing a character study, man, I mean, that's a course in of itself. But, oh, yeah, for sure. 
but let's let's get to it. We could, we could chat all night. So let's get to it. So um, all right. One of the things that that kind of came out to me as I was watching last night was that I felt like the theme this week was vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw vulnerability um, throughout the episode with several different characters. So let's just get right into it. So this, the episode starts with a flashback to the previous Halloween, and we see Darlene show up at Elliot's. And um, initially, Elliot is, I think, being pretty cold towards Darlene, um, basically, you know, not wanting her there. And she's trying to be um, upbeat and positive, and she kind of has this change. And she says in it, one, to Elliot, which we find out later in the episode is kind of their code word to... um, tell one another, I need you or I need your support. And as soon as she says it, um, you can kind of see Elliot's face change and they have what for the first time to me is brother-sister bonding, talking about their childhood, um, this movie that they always would watch every Halloween. Um, I wrote down the name of the movie, The Careful Massacre of the, how do you say it? Uh, the bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie. I just want to say bougie, being bad and bougie. <laughs> but um, let's talk about this scene. But before before you talk about it, did you go online and actually watch the eight-minute movie yep. that they watched um, in the episode? Oh, yeah. I've seen it plenty. Uh, yeah, I watched it plenty of times. And it's even become a must-watch on Halloween for me as well. Um, so, uh, but yeah, with that movie, yeah, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't, now that you've seen it, I mean, you just can't not watch it. Um, but I mean, with that movie, it's just perfect taking you back to the eighties, you know, with the campy horror film and horrible special effects. But I mean, Hey, that, that was, what was, that's how things were going down in the eighties, um, with, with a lot of these movies, um, and then, really, with that, um, I remember Sam. Sam actually, with the idea of that movie, that he was saying that he wanted to um, just basically take that movie um, based off of his fav- based off of his favorite movie um, at the time. Um, of course, now the title escapes me, and I know I wrote it down somewhere. But yeah, um, he just. Um, kind of wanted to take that and play with play with that a little bit so that's a nod to one of his favorite movies Mm -hmm. and putting his own spin on it um but yeah yeah this is definitely yeah that that eight minute clip is definitely something that I watch continue to watch and yeah like I said every Halloween I'll be watching it too (laughs) (laughs) It, it is perfect for it is perfect for Halloween so you can just have that on a loop if you were having a Halloween party or something but um, what did you think about this interaction with um, Darlene and Elliot? Yeah, I definitely agree with you that the interaction with Elliot at first, he's cold, um, distant, not really wanting her around. And then when she does say in at one, he definitely does change. Um, so that also gave you, I think it also gives you some insight into their relationship per se. Um, mm-hmm. To just see, I think, because also referencing back to um, one of the episodes in season one where Angela tells Darlene, you know, 
he was doing okay until you showed up again. So, mm-hmm. um, so that kind of makes you wonder, like, all right, well, what was going down between them, two, between the two of them, and you know, to really make that relationship like that. So there's definitely some some things that some things that went down that we don't know. I'm pretty sure that um, eventually, going down the line towards the end of the series, we'll find out um, find out some specifics. Um, but it was, but it was definitely interesting watching the two of them. And then again, we have another moment with Darlene where she snaps a snaps a photo of a screenshot of the film and posts it on Instagram. And it's one of those things where you're like, Darlene, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, I mean, she even said she even said, I don't normally do this, but I have mm-hmm. to. That's that's just her. I think being. Um, very careless. Um, one of the things that struck me in the conversation between the two of them is that they talked about their mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting that that quick little interaction where they both were like, have you seen mom? No. Have you talked to mom? No. She's still, all she does is say bad things about dad. Um, and I know I had asked you guys earlier, is mom alive? So there's confirmation, yes, mom indeed is alive or at least she was last Halloween. Um, And Darlene has this moment where she says, I wish I remember more of dad. So I wonder what, how far apart in age they are, because like they seem pretty close in age to me now, but I'm not good at telling age on people. But obviously Elliot is older than her, but by how much we don't know. And Elliot um, pulls out, Edward's old work coat. Um, But even before that, he um, reveals to Darlene that he's lost his job. And see, this, that part where he's talking about losing his job and being locked in the server room, um, having to go to therapy, I I don't remember ever hearing that. So that's one of the reasons why I'm like, did I actually see this episode? Because Mm -hmm. I never knew (laughs) never <laughs> do any of that at all. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, girl. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, right. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, we, in season one, we learned that obviously Elliot is having, you know, on court-ordered, um, you know, therapy. So in this episode, yeah, we learned basically what went down there. Um, and yeah, and then also really with, um, regards to Darlene and her talking about how she wished she remembered her dad better, um, remembering back in season one, when Elliot finally, um, you know, remembers, oh, Darlene is my sister. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he leaves and he goes onto the subway and he's, um, talking to himself, um, about Darlene when she was, um, when she, when they were kids and he was saying that Darlene used to always run away a lot. So Mm -hmm. if anything, um, you know, with her saying, I wish I remembered him more, um, I would kind of just contribute it to her um, constantly leaving, um, you know, with regards to how, with the relationship for the most part between her and Edward. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I'm also with Elliot, um, really with that whole scene, the more that they talk about it and he pulls out um, Edward's jacket, I mean, Seeing that, seeing that transformation right there mm-hmm. from Elliot into Mr. Robot, I mean, what? 
I mean, again, you just uh, just to go to say how great of an actor Rami is. I mean, just uh, I mean, I even got chills watching it again, <laughs> watching it again just a few, just an hour ago, where it's just so seamless. And mm-hmm. I think that that's probably one of the reasons why I love it so much because you, I mean, just from the moment where Elliot ends and Mr. Robot begins. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just flawless. I don't, yeah, I'm at a lot, I'm at a loss for words with how much, you know, with how much I love it. You're, you're right because when he put that mask on, and you heard his the timbre of his voice changed, mm-hmm. his mannerisms, um, the crossing of the arms, how he was walking, and I was like, this, like, it's beautiful acting. It's mm-hmm. just amazing what he did with those moments and then at the end he removes the mask and Darlene says are you there and you see like this subtle change in his face and kind of um this blinking that he did with his eyes to show Elliot is back and it was like man that was beautifully acted it was just right and then it was just perfect Perfection. And then just not only that, but, you know, listening to him lay out, you know, basically lay out the logistics of what it is that they're going to do, you know, saying, all right, if I, you know, I could take the job at all, say, become the Trojan horse, we plant the right malware, we do this, we do that. And then also saying um, that, saying that if they do go ahead and go through with this, that they can't let Evil Corp rebuild their database. Um, so it's like two key things that they that they can't allow to happen, which one of them is they can't, you know, they can't allow them the database to be rebuilt. And then they also have to make sure that the public confidence in eCorp is completely destroyed mm-hmm. and there's no hope of even getting it back. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that'll also come into play pretty much. I mean, we see that now more so with um, Darlene and F Society with the, you know, whatever antics that they've been pulling off to kind mm-hmm. of keep the public confidence at an all-time low, if not completely destroying it. Um, and, then the whole, and then the whole thing with rebuilding the database, we'll see, um, you know, we'll see later on in the season. But, again, like you say, like with him taking off the mask and having that slight, having that moment of realization where it's like, okay, wait, what just happened? Where was I? I just completely yeah. lost sense of the first of the couple of minutes that passed by. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, again, the music choices with that the music choices with this show. I know. When uh-huh. he did that and then there was like just that swell of music and then you uh-huh. get, you know, the the beginning opening credit and I was just like, I am so scared right now. Like my heart was I know. So <laughs> I know. Not gonna lie, when that when that swell of music came up, I jumped. I I was like, I was so scared because I had watched rewatched the massacre like right before I watched the episode too, Uh and I was like, this is too much. This is too Uh much. Like my my hub wasn't at home, so I was a little bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, and yeah. So then, uh, yeah. So then from that, we go into uh, seeing Darlene going over to visit Elliot. And, um, you know, when she's on the subway train and we see, what is it? We see these uh, people with uh, these gas masks on and yeah. then someone has on this virtual reality uh, um, thing mm-hmm. over their eyes and someone's got um, ear, 
you know, headphones on, and then someone's got, um, what is it? Um, they have like a, regu- a like a reg- like a, a, a regular mask. Yeah. Yeah, like a regular like white mask or something like mm-hmm. that. And so with that, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, okay, like because I remember someone mentioning the whole hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And I went and looked, um, you know, I went and did some more, some quick research as that scene was going on. And so, yeah, so basically it, it kind of ties in. It's, so I'm like, all right, this is kind of a tie, a tie into the three wise monkeys, um, mm-hmm. you, know, rep- you know, representing that see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And pretty much they're saying that, um, um, that of course, it's, the proverb has different meanings depending on who or where in the world you're um, referencing it. But pretty much in terms of the Western world, it refers to people who deal with impropriety by turning a blind eye. It's that mm-hmm. lack of moral responsibility by looking the other way and feigning ignorance. Um, so, yeah, so with that, I was like, again, how this show just ties in so many, you know, proverbs or any, um, I mean, again, this just goes to the credit of the writers and how brilliant, and Sam, and how brilliant they all are. And, um, yeah, one thing that I was thinking up again, too, where, again, going into the theme of vulnerability, where Elliot says, you know, in order to patch a vulnerability, you have to, you know, you have to patch it by exposing it first. Yeah. And then, yeah. But also, like, once you do that, it also opens you up to an exploit. So I was, mm-hmm. again, back on the, you know, the whole thing with the three wise monkeys, um, because I was also reading that there's, in some cases, there's a fourth monkey that's, re- that's referenced as well. And um, that's that monkey itself pretty much represents um, keeping things hidden. So um, they were saying that it's either the monkey is either shown to be crossing its arms or covering its genitals. Um, so I was like, okay, so is that some way in reference to what Elliot was doing when he crossed his arms like that? Um, but yeah, but then also really with the fourth monkey, what that represents um, keeping things hidden, you know, like don't, you know, because like don't, expose the things that give you pleasure, the things that give you bliss, because once you do that, then it will just, you know, it will destroy, your life will be destroyed. Um, So I was thinking with that and with Darlene, I mean, she's definitely, I think, been taking um, some pleasure, obviously, in um, keeping and keeping Evil Corp and destroying Evil Corp, obviously, because of what they did to her and her family. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, I mean, I think that, um, maybe that fourth, I mean, so that definitely, I think will I mean, I can see a lot of that fourth monkey, like uh, tying into Darlene with taking, taking pleasure in it, being expo- taking pleasure and exposing that pleasure that she's reveling in more or less um, by telling the guy, telling the rest of F society at the party that they threw at the end of season one, like guys, like take pride in what we did. Like this is all happening because of us showing up at the, uh, the, showing up um, in the park where uh, Scott burns the money, where Mm -hmm. someone could have easily spotted her. And then also just being back to where um, the uh, screenshot of the movie that can be, that could, that could be traced back to her. Um, I know with the mask and all that, Mm -hmm. with the IG account, you know, Dom found that, you know, Dom found that picture. Oh yeah. Yeah. But they say always. They always say, "Be careful. Be careful. Think before you tweet. Hit send. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. But um. 
But yeah, that was an interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to look into that a little bit more. So I was like, okay, yeah. So, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you. I'm glad you did that research because I noticed all of that on the subway. But like, my mind had already been blown <laughs> already <laughs> in the previous scene. That I like, I I rewound that a little bit so I could look mm-hmm. at all of those people in the background, and I was like. I can't even think about this right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The show, I mean, it definitely gets you at some at certain points, and it can also take you off on a tangent too. So where, I mean, I know yeah. like the more I was researching, I'm, and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I was like, okay, you gotta stop. Okay, you gotta pump the brakes on the wise monkey research because you still have to finish this episode. Because so I was I really know. gonna you just, dive. You just team. fall down the rabbit hole. I just like mm-hmm. my favorite gift to use when I'm watching this show is this gift of Alice falling down the rabbit hole because it's like I've fallen, I, I don't know what's happening, but I'm falling happily down this rabbit hole, but my mind yeah. is just blown. But speaking of tangents, when Elliot um, and Darlene are having their meeting, there's this quick um, flash of Elliot's mom and she's doing a crossword puzzle. And I have mm-hmm. to just confess that I paused my TV for so long to read all the clues of the crossword puzzle mm-hmm. <laughs> and to read all the answers that she had written in. And I'm just like, dude, you just have to keep moving. You just have to keep moving forward because she could sit here for like a half an hour on this crossword puzzle alone. But like yeah. you said, that's, that's the beauty of this show because, you know, everything means something with it. Um, but with Elliot and Darlene, um, she co- she goes to visit Elliot, and I think originally she was going to come to tell Elliot about the arcade being discovered in Romero, and right. she ends up not doing that. Um, but Elliot can tell there's something going on with her, but she's not being honest about it, but she decides not to tell him at this time, and we will see... Um, Darlene towards the end of the um, episode with her interactions um, with Cisco and kind of the fallout from that. But I want to switch gears up to a segment that I want to call Bitch Better Have My Money. Um, And let's talk about (laughs) Joanna. So we see Joanna um, this week and she is in her SUV and she's basically paying off the parking attendant. So he has been um, questioned by the FBI several times, I'm assuming um, regarding Tyrell, and um, Joanna has been basically paying him off to tell a certain story. And um, after he, well, first of all, he tries to threaten Joanna and say, if I get caught, I'm basically going to snitch on you, which is like, well, first of all, why would you do that? Why would you just lay your cards on the table like that? I don't know. Doesn't seem smart. But then after he leaves, she's having a conversation um, with her driver, who we saw in season one as well, and he's basically telling her, you're running out of money, baby, Mm -hmm. because you are paying this person off and that um, Tyrell's severance package has been frozen. And she makes the statement of I wrote it down. She said, I told the FBI not to um, freeze his funds. And I was like, how is she telling the FBI what to do at all? Did you catch that, that, that she said that? 
Yeah, um, I think what she what she said um, that she said specific that the FBI was told not to. I mean, she doesn't really. Um, say yeah, she exactly says the FBI was told. To. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, but I do see how it could be like, okay, so who gave the FBI that you know that order to not um, touch his severance package? Because I mean. I mean, I could see obviously why the FBI would want to because it's like, um, this, but I, but obviously it's like even if he even if he did have access, I mean, it's like this guy has means anyway without the help of a severance package to go wherever he needs to in order to hide out. But we later learn um, eventually where he's hiding out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kareem, Kareem, Kareem. I mean, the second that he. The second that he tells Joanna, if I get caught, I am thinking, you know, basically he's going to sing like a canary. Um, it's like, okay, I get it. You're scared. You want to protect yourself. But right there, that look mm-hmm. that that look in Joanna's eyes is like, oh, he's a dead man. I know. I was yeah, scared. I was scared yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just like foolishness. Why would you? It, that just makes sense no sense to me but Mm -hmm. um you know we see joanne a little bit later and we kind of see her vulnerability and desperation in her interaction with scott um Mm -hmm. she basically goes to his home and says i'll say whatever you need me to say to um prove that tyrell killed your wife but i need my money and Scott basically said I don't care. <laughs> right. right. And yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So for me with that scene, that was definitely Scott calling her bluff because it's like, we all know Joanna's a ride or die for Tyrell. I mean, mm-hmm. the woman, the woman induced labor to get him out of, you know, talking to the police. If that doesn't show ride or die status, I don't know what, but, you know, but yeah, so he definitely calls her bluff there. And it's like, Please, as far as I'm concerned, this baby could, you know, the baby gets what it deserves, nothing. Um, so, yeah, so she, I mean, she definitely tried to um, portray a vulnerability, but, yeah, obviously Scott was not having that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, I mean, but it, but I think with that scene, it definitely sets up um, how Joanna can provoke him a little bit. So, in this case, he didn't take the bait. But um, I mean, there's an I mean there's an interesting dynamic between the two of them. So we'll I mean mm-hmm. we obviously see how that plays out. Um, so it was nice. I mean it that was a nice scene to see just with that tension. That's right. That tension that's there between the two of them and how it will um, play itself out later on. But yeah. yeah um, you don't. But yeah, you don't want to cross Joanna because, like we said before, like Joanna is already like ten steps ahead of everybody, and everyone else is trying mm-hmm. to play catch up. But yeah, like me, like like me trying to play catch up with Joanna. But I I also like the scene that we saw with her and Derek, um, when he when he's talking about all these exotic places that he wants to go with Joanna, and she basically just breaks it down to him that you know, you are a DJ, you are a bartender. This is never going to happen. But then softens it by saying, you know but that's why I'm with you because I had all of that. And, you know, now I'm with you. Um, 
And I just I thought that was just a very interesting thing to see with her. Um, to just the fact that you see Joanna crying, that you see her being emotional with another human being. Um, mm-hmm. We saw flashes of emotion with Tyrell, but primarily it was this, I don't want to say coldness, but I'm going to say coldness. It was just almost matter of fact with Tyrell. Um, and this to me was the first time I really saw an emotional Joanna. Um, and I, I liked it. What did you think? Uh, I am a bit skeptical as to whether or not those tears were even real. Um, because, I mean, just remembering with Joanna, Joanna is a powerhouse. And one thing with her that, you know, she's always the one that's in control and I think, with, again, that was, to me, just another situation of her having, you know, Derek going off on, you know, these pipe dreams about what he wants to do for her and everything. And she's just like, okay, yeah, that is not going to happen. You're not going to, like, this is who you are. Like, you're, like, you're spoiling it again. Um, so, I mean, as, like, on one hand, I want to believe that she was, that she did show some sense of vulnerability, but also at the same time, I'm not. Re- I'm kind of like Scott and not really buying it right then and there, because mm-hmm. again, at the same time, I'm one. At that point with the show, I'm wondering, all right, what's her game? What's her end game for Derek? You know, you know. Obviously, there's no genuine. You know, no genuine. I don't think that there's really any genuine feelings towards Derek. Um, I think it's more so just her. You know, he's fulfilling a need that she has right then mm-hmm. and there. And, um, you know, there are, obviously we know that those are, with those, what we've seen, those are sexual needs, but there's something, I think that, you know, obviously there's something deeper, which we see play out later on in the season. So, um, yeah, but I think that that was just another way for Joanna to, you know, get him back in line with, all right, no, this is what you are to me. Like, and don't you forget Mm -hmm. it. Um, but yeah, she definitely knows how to, she definitely knows how to play him, how to get inside his head and everything. And because um, even with that one instance where she was trying to coddle and console him and he just like kind of moved his head away, mm-hmm. but you still, but even still, as she continues to, um, talk, you know, go in with that, but that's why I'm with you because I had those yeah. things and they, you know, they didn't make me happy, but you do. So, and it's kind of like, boy, do you really believe this? <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much what that was. How that my interpretation of that scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, just another, just more Joanna being the being the thoughtful powerhouse that she is. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, and again, um, just bro- again, just to go show to go to show with the brilliant acting. And how characters can do so much when they aren't even when they're not saying anything too. That's also one thing that I love with this cast is that um, even when they're not speaking, they're able to communicate so much um, about their character and what's going on. That's true. Everyone, everyone on the show is have been acting their tails off. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing to watch. But um, yeah. we talked about um, kind of trying to manipulate, trying to get um, what we want. And that kind of leads us into Angela. Um, So we saw Angela again, and 
I'm hoping I didn't miss anything when I was watching last night. I know you're a little bit fresher. You just watched it. So we see Angela meeting with, with the lawyer. Well, no, before that, we see her standing outside of Evil Core doing her, um, listening to her brainwashing tape, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you see her um, looking towards Evil Core, and you see that she went through with it. She turned in Jim and Saul, basically, um, the two gentlemen that she met on the last episode, episode three, at mm-hmm. dinner, who Philip Price told her was basically guilty of insider trading, and he gave her a disc full of um, basically information against right. these two guys. So they did end up getting arrested. So, you know, Angela stood, stood up to the plate, and she hit it out of the ballpark with that one. But it turns out that she had given that disc to the lawyer that she'd been working with on her case. And Angela, so last week we had this conversation about what is going on with Angela and Philip Price. Does she have some sort of a plan for him? Does he have a plan for her? And we got to see more of that this week in the interaction with Angela and the lawyer which um, led her to wanting to look at the settlement agreement more quickly. And then this face-off between her and Philip Price in the parking garage. So what did, what did you think about Angela in this episode? Angela in this episode, um, um, well, we definitely see that Angela has obviously taken uh, Price's advice and removed emotion. And, mm-hmm. and listening to the affirmations that she's um uh, repeating to herself as she's watching uh, Jim and Saul being let out. Um, one thing that one of the affirmations that stood out to me was my beliefs uh, create my own reality. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and for me, really with her in terms of turning in Jim and Saul, for me, it's I'm watching this and it's like, okay, yeah, we know the reason why you wanted to get, why you wanted revenge on them, obviously because they were in the room. But at the same time, you, yeah, we know that that's not, you know, that's not why they're being led away in handcuffs. So um, if anything, it's like, you know, that they're not really going to get, like, you're not really going to get true justice in that sense, because obviously they're going to go away because of the uh, insider trading mm-hmm. um, shenanigans that they've been involved with. So for me, with her saying, you know, my beliefs create my own reality, I think that with that, with that, um, affirmation being shown uh being playing in the background as these two are being led away i think for her it's it's kind of more like well i couldn't get them this way but i'll be but i'll just be i'll take what i can get really really when it comes to taking down anyone that was even in the room so if i can't get you directly for being in the room and being responsible for uh, my mom's death and elliot's father's death then i can at least get you on this um and then, and then, yeah, we see Angela with the lawyer, and she's saying that she thinks that he's you. He used that in order to get some type of leverage from her, and mm-hmm. she's saying, "I'm the, you know, I am the piece that was missing." So, and in this in this case, it's almost like with El, with everyone saying that Elliot was the key to the whole hack. It's almost like Angela was the is the key to this whole um, Washington Township um, settlement. So. Um, yeah, she gets the agreement. She looks through the settlement and um, 
figures, all right, he wants to play he wants to play this game of leverage. Okay. He can all right, we'll play. But I'm gonna come to the table with what I want and what I'm mm-hmm. willing to offer in order to get what I want and we'll see how you know, he's been able he's he's given me everything that I want thus far. Why would he quit now? Um so yeah, so yeah, so she goes to him, um with that you know, with this with those demands and um basically reveals that, yeah, there's something in there that Evil Corp won't agree on if they won't agree on having a third party uh performing inspections on the Washington Township plant. And she's like, It's so funny to me that you guys would it was interesting that you guys would make that you guys would actually give up other things that cost more money, that cost you guys more money and actually probably would hurt you more in the long run just to try to get rid of this one aspect of it. You know, what is the, you know, kind of like, what's the thing with this? Like, you need that, you know, you need that whole thing to go away. Well, guess what? I'm the one that can do it for you, but you're going to give me Melissa's job and I think what that corner office or something that she wants. On the Um, 20th floor, on the 20th floor. Yeah, and then um, and then I think also, again with the theme of vulnerability, Philip Price, um, she's definitely found a vulnerability there, um, which I don't think that he expected. Um, but yeah, he basically shoots you know shoots it down by saying, "Oh, this is all in your head." Um, you know, go yeah. home. And with the, yeah. with the condescending pat on the the cheek or the pat on the head to go along with it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, once again, it's Philip Price being Philip Price and throwing you off kilter because when you see Angela really kind of giving him this ultimatum, you know, she was definitely coming from this position of confidence that this gotcha moment, um, and you see Philip Price looking at her, and initially it was almost to the point where, oh, she she finally had some leverage on him. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to pull one over on him and then you know he basically just dismisses her so either he's incredibly ballsy or she got it wrong and I'm going to go with he's incredibly ballsy because we do know this about Mr. Price Um, but even her reaction to him doing that you know her frustration with herself and we you know, figure out later in the season what's going on with her. But I think Angela, we have to give some credit to Angela that she's playing a long game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's she's doing it, I think she's doing it well. I mean, we talk a lot about Joanna and how she has the end in mind and mm-hmm. she's able to do these things. But I think we have to give Angela some credit too. She's... Um, her her character is is working hard towards her goal. It doesn't. It's not always clear to us, and we don't always like the way she's going about it. But she's definitely committed. You have to definitely yeah. um, state say that she's committed to her goal. Yeah, I definitely give Angela props um, for hand for be, being able to hold her own, especially in that environment. When given how we've seen her. Um, Within a within a corporate type setting environment, um, just from the first couple of episodes of season one, a lot mm-hmm. of people probably were thinking, "Oh, that's it, Angela's a goner." You know, she's not going to last five minutes in that setting. But of course, Angela, I've you know, I've always said, "Don't count Angela out." You know, she's going to prove you wrong. Um, 
And that's one of those things that I do love about watching her character that, and especially with this season, and I, th- um, and I think it's going to continue going on into season three where you aren't really sure where she stands or what is the goal or even, you know, like, mm-hmm. is it, like, what, like, what is her end goal? Is it to bring them down? And then you see this one thing, these moments where she actually, you know, says that she likes the things that she's gotten as a result of this, of this job. She has the, you know, the nice apartment. She's got the this, you know, and, um, I mean, yeah, but, um, but yeah, but one thing about Angela, I think that she can play to her advantage is the fact that everybody tends to underestimate her. And yeah. I mean, and I just love moments like that where you have someone that's always underestimated and they just end up coming out on end up coming out on top. Um, you know, so she, you know, she always finds a way to, you know, stay in, you know, to stay in the game. So mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. So I mean, definitely with Angela, it's kind of like in this situation where, all right, she didn't, you know, she got knocked down, you know, if this, you know, if we want to um, compare it with the game of chess, all right. Yeah. No stalemate. Um, you know, neither, like neither party's got the, neither one of you got the win here. But um, but knowing Angela, Angela does not go down that easily without a fight. So we'll see her she, come she back. She doesn't. She doesn't. And yeah. you see that from her time and time again. You saw that with her in season one, um, mm-hmm. with like with Ollie, who was such a terrible boyfriend, with Ollie <laughs> and the disc and him revealing, you know, I have to do this, and Angela being able to man up and get what needs to be done, done. Right. Just and like you said, you cannot. Te- no, no, go ahead. So, no, you go ahead. Uh, well, and even the scene with Terry Colby, because um, the way that he hand, the way that that scene went about the initial meeting when she was at his house, the way that he mm-hmm. spoke to her, and, again, that she was able to completely turn that around and be like, yeah, okay, um, yeah, okay. So, like, the thing that you're, like, the thing, it really sucks, doesn't it, not having the respect of anyone anymore. You know, I, you know, you may think that I don't know what that's like, but I do. And whether or not mm-hmm. you want to admit it, you know, you know, you've never had to deal with this. So it's, you know, how does it feel to be on that, to be, to be on that side of the, that side of the, to be on that side of the fence. Um, and then all of a sudden she's able to act with, you know, with whatever she says to Colby, she's able to, turn the odds back in her favor to get what she needs. Um, so, yeah, so that's one thing that's, that, obviously, like we said with Angela, Angela does not go down without a fight. She finds a way to, in the end, get, get what she wants. Yeah, she's definitely scrappy. Mm-hmm. And speaking of scrappy, um, let's talk about Miss Dom. So right. Dom has found the arcade. She's found F Society. And uh, we talked about um, this last week, or should say a few days ago about um, kind of the the how Dom comes on the scene with her colleagues and she's so strong and she's just so knowledgeable and we see her in the arcade with this dude bro who is basically just trying to blow her off about finding the arcade and making um, these snide comments like. Um, it would be stupid for them to use this place. It's so obvious and it's just right here out in the open. And she basically says, well, if it's that obvious, why are we just now finding it? 
but he just keeps trying to discredit her. Um, but you see the other people who are around her, you can see the respect they have for her, but then you have this one guy, of course, um, who's just so dismissive of her. Um, and that scene just kind of struck me as to what we as women have to go through in the workplace that, um, you know, no matter how hard you work and sometimes there's just always that one guy who's going to just have those, those things to, to say and make comments about. Um, what did you think about that scene? Yeah, with that scene, um, yeah, I mean, see, just knowing that they found the arcade, once again, you're just thinking, fuck, you know, all right, a society, your days are numbered before you guys are just completely found out. Um, and then, again, yeah, just going to show how, like you said, how scrappy um, Dom is. You know, she is the one that, you know, through her, you know, her ways of going, her going to talking to uh, Romero's mom, she was able to find the flyer and she was able to follow that all the way to the arcade. And then, lo and behold, then you got the whole, F, then you got the whole FBI out there searching the whole thing. And if anything, uh, I think it can be said that if it wasn't for Dom, I don't think, you know, would, it, it bears the question, would the FBI have even found the arcade? Um, Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Right. So it's like, and again, so that's why I love that uh, Dom, you know, snap, claps back at him. And why are we just now finding it? Um, you know, hidden in plain sight. Oh, if it seems dumb, again, why are we just now finding it? And so, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, I mean, it always, and it goes back to that saying, like, you know, whatever you're looking for, oh, what, you know, right under your nose, like, oh, if, you know, if it was a snake, it would have bit me type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this whole hidden in plain sight thing. And, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but this was just one of the first of many scenes where we have to see Dom um, basically um, having everything right, but having roadblocks, you know, put in front of her, like, oh, no, we can't do that, we can't do that, or by people just being completely dismissive of, mm-hmm. of you know, her instincts, and which is so fun, which is really interesting because with that profession, it's like, come on, you're, aren't you supposed to go with your gut for the most part with a lot of things? <laughs> I, it's just, I mean, it just seems so counterproductive to really what you got to what the FBI does. Come on, you go with your gut a lot of the times. And it's like, you know, but I mean, yeah. And there were times, so many times where this, like this, um, her superior, it was just like, come on. Like, can you just give the girl some credit for what she did? Like, you, again, you would not have found the arcade if it hadn't been for her. You would not have gotten as close to... Um, what we see towards the end of the season without Dom. Come on. Uh, I know. I I love, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I love that episode when we see all the evidence that Dom has been gathering, like when they Mm -hmm. show us the board that she's been looking at with all of her evidence and all of the connections she's been making, like basically this whole season, that was just like amazing. It was just like a wow moment. Like, Oh, she really knows just about everything. Um, so yeah. Dom is Dom is amazing. But um, what her finding the arcade leads to is we get to see this interaction between 
White Rose, played beautifully once again by B.D. Wong. This is the first time we get to actually lay eyes on White Rose in this season. And we see um, White Rose having a conversation with um, Philip Price. And we see White Rose um, looking at a memo that Dom has written about signing the arcade um, and there's this one comment between Philip Price and um, White Rose in which she says um, that they're putting all of their faith in her. And I was thinking, who is the her they're referring to? What did you think about that interaction with Philip Price and um, White Rose? Uh, um, well, from what we see, it's the first of many um, tense interactions between the two of them. Um mm-hmm. And again, also a power, um, just again with the power play between the two of them, um, you know, White Rose just saying, you know, I, fa- you know, I fail to see the logic. Why are you going with her? Um, mm-hmm. And then for me, you know, I'm thinking, all right, the her is Angela is what I'm, you know, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, because. I was like almost thinking maybe the her is Joanna. Maybe the her is, who who knows? I'm, yeah, I, I mean, know. yeah, I mean, which is a great, which is a great thing um, um, of mystery for them because you know how the show loves to keep us on our toes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but then um, also really with certain um, with that, what with that particular decision that Philip Price wants to put all his faith in her, White mm-hmm. Rose does not like that because that is not um, lining up with her timetable. And we all know White Rose, once White Rose sets a deadline for things, that is how she wants it to go. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, um, And I think, and obviously, um, Philip Price knows that as well. Um, even even if he may not know White Rose as White Rose, because pretty much any time that they've communicated, it's been um, with him as a as Minister Zong, Minister Zhang. I hope I'm, pronoun- hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, but yeah, so, and I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure that he also, again, has that fascination. I think that there's still that fascination of time when he's, um, in his minister, when White Rose is in playing the minister role, um, mm-hmm. in addition to White Rose. So with him saying, uh, you know, this is going to take time. And I know that that's something that you don't like, but you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, White Rose yeah. does not like that. White Rose does I know. not like that at all, you know. It's like uh, White Rose is not someone to be dismissive about or dismissive with, and that is definitely the the interaction you see um, because White Rose was questioning about um, him meeting with the president, and Philip Price mm-hmm. was like, he, he's not there yet. He's not ready yet. And then talking, and they were talking um, something about swaying the UN vote. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like all these big, major things that we see they have planned, like world events, you know, basically involving the United Nations, involving the president. And just Philip Price's attitude of being dismissive with people is just like, White Rose is not the one for it, and Mm-mm. this just seems like a, a mistake on Price's part that, you know, we like, I know I personally want to see him fall. Like, I want to see him fall to his knees 
Mm-hmm. I just want to see him begging someone for something and then telling him no. Like, I'm waiting for that moment. Um, yeah. So that that whole interaction is just the interplay between the two of them because those are just two very, very strong people. And usually those types of people don't play well together because someone has to be subservient to the other. And I can see neither White Rose nor Philip Price being subservient at all. So this is not going to end well for the two of them. Definitely. And then, of course, with that scene, you know, each, you know, um, whether they like it or not, you know, they have to rely on each other in order to get what the other wants. Um, You know, so Philip obviously you know, he needs to try to keep himself in power because if he goes out, then he knows that his company is finished. Um, mm-hmm. But then also White Rose is saying, you know, the you know the Washington Township plant cannot close. You assured me that the U.N. vote was, you know, a lock, and it's obviously not, um, which, again, some you know, again, something with telling White Rose she needs to be patient. No, you don't want to do that, boo. Um, so... Um, and again, with uh, once White Rose just hangs up on Price and just saying, "Okay, so he wants to go on, he wants to be continue on with this ecoin um, uh, plan that he's been, you know, that he's been talking about and saying he's such a fussy cat." Um, <laughs> and then just saying, "All right, so all right, so but White, but one thing about White Rose is that, you know, she's." White Rose is very, res- we can say resourceful, but also, also I think has a plan B, which of course when she says that he wants, all right, so if he wants to go with this e-coin strategy, where are we, where are we on stage two? So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, if he wants to do this, we if he's looking to do this, then we need to do that because, yeah, um, because like you said, neither one is going to have the other win in the end and while while one loses. So um, absolutely not. It's gonna be a big explosion between the two yeah, of them. Definitely. And, and then of course Yep. And then seeing the fact and then seeing that she that FBI memo, you are just thinking, Okay, F society mm-hmm. y'all are in trouble you know, y'all might be in trouble, you know, because White Rose has wind of this that you guys mm-hmm. are under FBI, you know, that the FBI is looking at you guys. Yeah, not good. Not a good place to be in. You know? No, and that, that leads us in the episode to this interaction between Cisco and Darlene um, mm-hmm. in the dirty bathroom, in the dirty, yeah. nasty bathroom. I just can't get past that. That's just so <laughs> unhygienic. I was, oh. And then she sat on that toilet. Oh. God, that's just so – she she didn't even wash her hands. But anyway, um, so basically Darlene is – in an, at the beginning of the episode, they talk about her having panic attacks in the, in the past. So yes. I would definitely not say she was having a panic attack, but she's getting close. Um, right. So basically Cisco reveals to her that White Rose knows or well, he tells her um, about the um, FBI. White Rose is aware that the FBI has found the arcade, um, and Darlene, for the first time, we're kind of seeing her start to freak out because we saw her in the last episode telling Mobley and Trenton 
it's, you know, really kind of trying to keep them calm, um, reassuring them about the dark army, telling them, you know, don't go anywhere, everything's fine. And then in this episode, we see Darlene saying, I need to leave town. She's upset. And Cisco basically saying, you know what the dark army will do if you leave town, you and all of your people. Um, which leads her, you know, to this vulnerable point of panic. Um, what What did you think of all that? I mean, it was really what takes us to this next part with Elliot. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see um, Cisco come back into play. But I mean, of course, with the with the you know with the Dark Army, we you know I pretty much figured we hadn't seen the last of Cisco, um, given their last uh, Darlene and Cisco's last interaction at the towards the end of season one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because he's definitely like the liaison between F Society and uh, and the Dark Army. Um, so yeah, so definitely getting to see Darlene that wall of strength that she has, or I guess in this case, it's to um, you know, just that that mask of strength and like, okay, you know, I, I'm a hard ass, nothing can break me. But um, you know, with Cisco telling her that, yeah, um, the yeah, White Rose looked at a, has a memo that the FBI has on you guys with Operation Bern, Operation Bernstein. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, Darlene, like we start to wake up. Like this is some serious shit that you guys are, you know, obviously in, um, you know, and it's only getting worse for you guys. And he's also telling her that, you know, did you tell Elliot about Romero and everything? Um, you know, like you can't keep, you know, you can't keep that from him. You got to let him know too. So maybe he'll know what to do type of thing. That was yeah. kind of the mental, you know, the way that I took that, you know, like, all right, you know, you got to let Elliot know. Elliot should be able to know what to do because everyone looks to Elliot as the leader um, of the group. Um, and then also, he also serves as that voice of reason for her, for his, like, Darlene, wake up. Um, because we obviously know that Elliot cannot be that voice. Um or even if Elliot tries to be that voice, like in season one where he told her, I don't think we should, you know, I told you we shouldn't have done the hat. Um, but they go, but they went ahead and did it anyway, because, Oh, guess what? Mr. Robot decided to take over. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, just really like setting Darlene straight. Like this is what is going on right now. You need to figure out what you need to figure out what to do in order to keep yourself out of, jail or wherever it is that you, whatever it is that's going to happen to you, you know. Um, Yeah. um, But I feel like when I'm watching that scene with him, I don't 100% trust him Mm -hmm. um, or trust that he's not being manipulative or he's trying to manipulate her to do certain things. But, like, Mm -hmm. I just don't – I just don't feel like I can – 100% 100% trust him because he's so deep with the Dark Army. Um, right. I know he loves Darlene, but, you know, fear can trump love a lot. So I don't yeah, know definitely. if I, if I, how much I, I can, I can trust this show not to be um, working on her panic and vulnerability in that situation to kind of force her to 
in turn get Elliot to do things that the Dark Army might be wanting him to do. So basically using her. Um, right. And we'll see, yeah. we'll see how this plays out as the as the season progresses. But that does yeah. lead us to to Elliot, and Elliot is having a crisis, um, as per usual. And so this last segment I call "Congratulations, you played yourself." So um, <laughs> Elliot is 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 spending more time with Ray. And mm-hmm. he's playing chess with Ray. And so Ray is once again being insightful with Elliot and telling him the way to improve is to play himself. And um, maybe someday he'll beat himself. And um, Elliot is feeling this connection with Ray and says, well, maybe if I just tell him everything, tell him about the hat, tell him everything like a confession, Um things will be better, which, of course, makes Mr. Robot appear. Um, And Elliot is considering this proposition from Mr. Robot that he basically, they will play for control. And whoever wins gets control. When Mr. Robot was describing to Elliot what it would be like for Elliot if he lost, and just the way he was describing, you know, you would not know what's happening. You would be in this black void. And that leads Elliot to really question the decision. Should he, you know, take him up on this proposition? And he kind of goes through this process with Krista, with Leon, to make this final decision whether or not to play Mr. Robot. What did you think about Elliot's kind of journey to making that decision? Um, I definitely felt that, um, I think that even though Ray planted the idea in his head that, um, he should play himself, he didn't really, um, make the final decision to do so until, um, his conversation with Leon. Um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, cause even though he, um, may have, you know, had this, had these, uh, thoughts of, okay, should I confess to Ray? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, I mean, he's definitely just um in. He's also in a vulnerable state right now because I think that he's still trying to process um the fact that okay, Mister Robot is something that he created. Um, how mm-hmm. is he? And now he's like, okay, this is obviously something that I cannot have. And you know that I that can't that I can't allow to continue being anymore. So how am I going to deal well, with this? I'm going to get rid of it. Um, I liked what Krista had to say about the fact that Elliot has to realize that Mister Robot is a part of him. That they are yep. two parts of one whole, and you have mm-hmm. to acknowledge that. Um, so mm-hmm. I I think her making those statements to him about the fact that you just can't get rid of something that's a part of you helped him on that journey. And definitely Leon um, talking to him about what do you want your existence to be, um, telling him dream about what you want your existence to be. And if it's something you want, then you should go ahead and basically play the game or whatever. But I thought it was interesting when we're looking at Elliot's dream of all the things he wants 
to see like all of this positive happiness that he wants from himself that you see, you know, Darlene getting engaged. You see him and Angela um, with their friendship. You see, I mean, you see F and Tyrell with his, with Joanna and their baby um, Mm -hmm. at the table. You see Ray at the table. Um, We were at the table, but you don't see like his mother at the table. I thought that was very interesting. Just the lack of presence of his mother um, in that scene, but that leading him to the kind of the final showdown with Mr. Robot and Elliot learns that or comes to the realization he can't win and Mr. Robot can't win. It's going to always be a stalemate because one is always going to know what the other is doing. Um, what did you think about that when, when they got to the end of that game? Um, well, definitely to go back on what you were saying with Krista, 100% agree that, you know, that she has a point there. It's kind of this thing where one cannot survive without the other. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're definitely thinking the same thing too, that, you know, and you know, and she's using the word annihilation and it's pretty much that Elliot, if you get rid of Mr. Robot, you are essentially getting rid of yourself. Um, yeah. So yeah. And then also, I mean, and to see his dream and everything, and of course it's everything that he wishes that he could have but then also at the same time it's like yeah and what um you know not hate to burst the bubble but it's like it is a dream you know there's a difference between the dream and the reality so but at the same time the dream is always and the dream and i think El, um, leon's words are enough ammunition that he needs in order to step up to the step up to the board and be able to play mr robot but then of course they keep having all these stalemates so through that it's almost like all right, Elliot, how many stalemate games are you guys going to play before you realize that you are essentially telling whatever, telling Mr. Robot whatever moves to make? Like, you guys are one in the same, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, and I think that as, an, as the audience, we pretty much, I mean, I know I pretty much came, we both came to that conclusion that you guys are one in the same. There, one cannot exist without the other. You just have to find some way to live with that, Elliot. Um, Yeah, and I feel like it was almost like Elliot has to take some ownership of those actions that Mr. Robot is making because mm -hmm. they, they, you know, ultimately they are within the same person and that just Mm -hmm. because he can't act on them, some way he does, it's part of his will, what Mr. Robot is doing. Um, And then we see Elliot have a phone or he – does he get a phone call from Darlene first before he decides mm-hmm. to help out Ray? Yeah. So he gets that phone call from Darlene, and she is obviously panicked. And Mr. Robot is there, and Elliot goes to Ray. And I thought it was kind of interesting that at that point, Mr. Robot didn't know what Elliot was planning because he kept saying, what are you doing, what are you doing, and seems panicked himself because right. Elliot was kind of taking control at that moment in almost an aggressive way um, to ultimately decide I'm going to now use Ray in order to get online so I can help my sister communicate with her. And then in the end, the last thing we hear Elliot say is that he's going to hack the FBI. Um, right. 
so I, I just kind of thought that last interaction between him and Mr. Robot was definitely a shift from what we've seen before. What did you think? I thought it was definitely interesting as well. Um, again, as you say, that this is another moment where um, Mr. Robot has no does not is question has no idea what Elliot is going to do because we um, we will again come to see you later on. Um, that there was another moment where Mr. Robot just pops up and is like, what are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think also just, um, again, with the one of those moments that um, that Elliot can kind of keep Mr. Robot in the dark about anything that he's planning. Um, but then it's also um, going back to the conversation with Darlene um, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the episode where she's saying, you know, well, maybe I need Mr. Robot right now because Elliot acknowledges that you yeah. know, I wasn't myself. Um, mm-hmm. So in this moment, and then with that moment on the phone where she says that she is freaking out and Elliot asks her the question, okay, well, when you were talking about whether you needed me or him right now, who do you need? And then she was saying, it's you. I need you. Um so, and then again, um, with, again, that in it one, all she has to do is, all they have to do is say in it one, and it's like, all right, I got you, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and take care of this. And, um, yeah, for, um, yeah, for him to just um, jump right back on the terminal, and it's also interesting where it's like, okay, Mr. Robot, isn't this what you wanted? Elliot is back on the terminal. But, again, he doesn't know what Elliot is going to do. So, again, he's yeah. asking him okay, well, what are you going to do? And Elliot tells him, I'm hacking the FBI. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, and then also I think just um, kind of for telling us that there are, telling us obviously there are moments that Mr. That Elliot can keep Mr. Robot in the dark um, and kind of I'm alluding to the whole, um, you know, what happens to the other while one, um, when the other takes over. What happens to Elliot mm-hmm. when Mr. Robot takes over? What happens to Mr. Robot when Elliot um, pretty much takes over? Um, so, yeah, a good, um, you know, play on or even display of what happens when one when one personality has taken command. Um, and then, again, it's given us one of, um, one of my favorite lines, <laughs> one of my favorite lines of the season, I'm hacking the FBI. It's like, okay. <laughs> I was, I was like, all right, that's pretty bold there. Yeah, yeah, with the with the guard sitting right there next to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm hacking the FBI. Talk yeah. about ballsy. Um, well, that will definitely take us into episode five for next week. So um, we will be back. So um, some quick news and notes. Um, Mr. Robot was filming today in Tribeca. So that is interesting. So they were filming filming part of an episode today. Um, For you folks who want to rewatch, if you don't want to watch on USA, starting July 13th, Amazon will be streaming season two. So if you want to watch it without any commercials, just wait till July 13th and you can catch that on Amazon Prime for free. Um, And also San Diego Comic-Con is coming up. I know yeah. I am not going because I will be working my tail off. Do you have any plans for, of going or know anyone who's going out to San Diego? Uh, no, I mean, I was actually lucky enough to make it through that annoying spinning blue ball in order to get um, a badge for Sunday. I only was able to get a badge for Sunday. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, 
other plans, you know, I'll have to work too. So it's like, yep, I'm not going to be able to go, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I've, I think um, at Brothers Comics, one of those guys, um, one of them is going to be out at um, Comic-Con, so I'm sure he will be podcasting about that. Um, yeah. One of the um, things that I I did see is that they're going to have a world of Mr. Robot at Comic-Con, and they are going to have a branch of e-core there mm-hmm. where um, if you go, you can get an e-card that's loaded with e-coin, um, and we heard them talking about that in Episode 4. So basically, you're going to be able to use that card. It's going to come loaded with e-coin, and you'll be able to use it um, in specific places during Comic-Con. Um, they have a red wheelbarrow barbecue pop-up um, there where you can use that to buy food and things like that. So that sounds sounds fun. Makes me look kind of fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing with, yeah, and we were, uh, me and you and Southern Cynic were talking about, okay, well, are they, you know, we were like, are there, is there going to be a panel? What do you guys think? Um, between San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, I'm always curious to see, like, as far as off-site events, like, what are they going to come up with? Because, um, even also at a South by Southwest, they were able to have um, in this one location a Ferris wheel, you know, part of an arcade, and also this uh, mm-hmm. one setup where they were making T-shirts. So, and then last year um, we were able to get uh, the vir- at San Diego Comic Con. We were able to get the uh, virtual reality experience, um, the offsite of Elliot's apartment, and um, and the panel. But um, so yeah, so this year, uh, yeah, it'll just be that. And then, um, yeah, and then there's also going to be the uh, San Diego uh, Funko Pop exclusive, um, which is a mask, Elliot, in case anyone um, has missed that bit of information. So, um, but That's I also heard cool. someone, I also, yeah, but I also saw someone say that, um, that they popped up over at the NBC store in New York. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but, uh, you know, um, there, there probably will be some online retailers, um, you know, for people to get their hands on. I mean, I'm basically just trying to keep my eye out for that. Um, but, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I would want to say to any listener who's at Comic-Con or who comes or who comes across that pop figure and, you know, want to gift it to one of us, just meet us in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just send that out there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Send it out there. <laughs> But yeah, but, um, um, yeah, so we need to wrap this up. It's it's getting late. So um, I wanted to thank you for your shout-out last week. We shouted out Scene and Nerd. And um, I got the opportunity to listen to one of their podcasts this week, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you very much for um, letting us know about their podcast. And we are going to switch it up this week. Instead of talking about a podcast, we're actually going to talk about a blog. Um, and that blog is on piratesatellite.com. And um, you can follow on PirateSat on Twitter. And he write, he blogs about um, multiple shows, but he blogs about Mr. Robot. And um, he, uh, Akira and I were talking about this before we started recording, and I said he is like he is in graduate school with his, analysis and I am like in kindergarten. He is just 
so deep with his thoughts. And right now he is doing his um, thoughts for what's going to come up in season three. And I know, Akira, mm-hmm. you had an opportunity to read a blog post from him. What did you think of it? Yeah, he's def- it definitely goes deep um, with his blog post. Um, not Yeah, not just the uh, predictions for season three, um, but also another one with, um, you know, in terms of friendship uh, with the show, um, especially between us, the viewer, and the, and Elliot. Um, that was another good blog post as well. I mean, def- I definitely agree. People should um, check out his post. Some good stuff there. Um, lots of interesting commentary. Um, and, yeah, yeah, just, um, yeah, other than Reddit, just another good um, place to get some good, interesting Mr. Robot thoughts. Um, so definitely yeah. has you thinking a lot more and going deep into things and then also going maybe going back and watching the episodes with that perspective as well and just thinking, huh, okay. Definitely. Right, definitely. Yeah, yeah, because he had a really good post about um, – Elliot and thinking about his relationship with Mr. Robot and who's actually in control and after reading that it it definitely changed how I viewed um, even just watching this past episode so definitely check out on piratesatellite.com it is great so we are at the end of this podcast and I am at CTaleen you can find me on the Twitter at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N and you can find this um, podcast on Twitter. You can follow us at Unmasked Podcast. Um, Akira, tell the folks where they can find you. All right. They can find me at HelloFriend1, H3LL0FRI3ND1. Yes, ma'am. And hopefully we will have um, Southern Cynic back with us for our next podcast. Um, and you can find this podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and wherever quality podcasts are sold. Good night, everybody. Good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.